This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. Go to freedom350.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number, 350.com, and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom350.com. Welcome to Pat and Stu. We're uh, in New York today for Snowpocalypse. Yeah, and, came up uh, here. Breaking news coverage. Uh, yeah. We, S- Snowmageddon. Yeah. We came here specifically to cover Snowmageddon. It wasn't like this trip was planned. No. We were just like, we, we need to get together, there and get in the middle there. of that with the people. That's the kind of news network we are. <laughs> just be there right now. Yeah. And so we are. Yeah. And uh, also, thanks to Jeffy for sh- first of all for coming. Yeah, uh, thank you for yeah, thanks, all your hard thanks, work, Jeffy. Jeffy, and, you've done nothing. You yeah. haven't even made a peep during the last. Uh, yeah. Three hours. Yeah, and thanks for not doing anything during the entire radio show. Appreciate that. And he's not doing anything now. So he continues to what? Do do nothing. Jeffy's not with us, we're told. Oh, he's not with us. Mm. He's not even there? He, he didn't, didn't show even up? show up today? He's in the building, we're being told. Why why is why he, isn't not he with on us? the air with us on the show he's supposedly on? And what's your point? So why isn't Jeffy? What does Jeffy have to do with was Jeff, Fox? Was Jeffy on the air during the radio show? Was he was he available to do anything during the radio show? Because we didn't even hear from him. He was in his office. Hmm. How does he have an office? Wow. All right. Whatever. I mean, this is crazy. But uh, so he, we've got relief from Jeffy this okay. week is what you're saying. Is that, is that what you're saying? Uh, yesterday... Yeah, I'm done with you. I, I gave you enough time, and then you didn't answer quickly enough, so yeah. we've moved on. So shut up, Chris. Okay? Yeah, we're hearing that voice. I don't know that anyone else is hearing it. Are we, is everybody hearing the voice, or is it just us? And now we sound like we're talking to a voice that doesn't exist. Uh, <laughs> 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. Chief of Staff, uh, the White House Chief of Staff, uh, Dennis McDonough. Such a professional. So good at his job that he's out on one of the talk shows yesterday. And oopsie daisies happens to accidentally speak the name of somebody who wasn't supposed to be spoken of in public. Uh, Here's what happened yesterday on ABC with uh, George Snuffleupagus. Do we have any information on the American woman still being held? And as it relates to our hostages, uh, we are obviously continuing to work those matters very, very aggressively. We are uh, sparing no expense and sparing no effort, uh, both in trying to make sure that we know where they are and make sure that we're uh, prepared to do anything we must to try to get them home. But uh, Kayla's family knows uh, how strongly the president feels about this, and we will continue to work this. And apparently Mm. uh, he wasn't supposed to say her name. You know, these guys are so bad at what they do. It's 
it's incomprehensible. If we if I hadn't seen it over the course of the last six years, I would not believe it. But they do this kind of stuff over and over and over again. They don't know what they're doing. They just they're, they're incapable of doing the right thing. Well, what evidence do you have other than every single instance? That's the only other evidence I have. Yeah, okay. Is every other instance? That's what I mean. And, so, and well, and also that it's they, slim. They, they've never done the opposite, which would be due to do something correct. Correct. You have that, and the fact that every time they've done it, they've screwed it up. But those are the only two things you have. I know, and that's that's so a bit next of a to nothing. Mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a little bit more: the chief of staff on why they refuse to say radical Islam. The White House refuses to say the the phrase radical Islam. Why? Let's be clear that uh, nobody denies that these are Muslims. And these are Muslims who claim that their uh, warped view of their ideology is what informed their actions, their hateful ideology in this instance. What we simply do not believe, Chuck, is that they should somehow be seen as representatives of Islam. They are not. It's one of the world's great religions. It's the overwhelming majority of Muslims do not abide by this uh, hateful ideology. And so we just ought not to give them uh, any kind of uh, uh, belief that somehow they uh, deserve that title. Is it possible to get a side-by-side of that guy and Lurch? <laughs> Have we ever done this before? That guy just, re- I was looking at him and I'm like, this guy reminds me of Lurch. Doesn't he? Can we do that? Can we get a uh, side-by-side at some point today? Because that would be important. And as I, was, as I was looking at this, let's be clear that nobody denies that these are Muslims, is what was how he started that thing. So yeah. you can't say they're radical Islam, but you can just say they're straight-out Muslims, not even radical Muslims. They are Muslims. And then he goes on to say that they are Muslims who claim that their warped view of their ideology is what informs their actions. Actually, they don't claim that at all. They don't claim that it's warped. They claim that it's the right one. We claim that it's warped. They claim it's the I only one. And I believe that it is warped, but they believe that it is not warped. So they don't – like, that's what's so interesting about this mm-hmm. is that they are in this constant bizarre denial mode over what the people who are perpetrating these crimes are the, – they're actually saying it. It's like the words coming out of their mouth are being denied by the people tr- supposedly trying to stop them. Very strange. It's a very strange it, thing. It doesn't make a lot of sense. No. Uh, but I don't know if you've noticed, they tend not to make a lot of mm. sense. All I noticed was that he looks like Lurch. <laughs> and uh, I think we definitely need a side-by-side. Hopefully we'll get one okay. sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's more on uh, why they don't negotiate with hateful characters. Should that exchange be made? Should that kind of a swap be entertained with terrorists? You know our policy on that, uh, Michael. We don't uh, we don't either negotiate or uh, make exchanges or pay ransoms. We think that uh, results in uh, just more uh, cash floating around with these uh, very hateful characters uh, who will just have more ability to, to apply their trade. Should family members be permitted to entertain their own negotiations with hostage takers? I just uh, want to be clear here that we're in very close touch with the families. They understand the strength of uh, the president's feeling on this. And obviously, the president understands the strength of their devastation mm-hmm. as uh, some uh, of this has transpired over the course of the last several months. So we'll continue to remain in close coordination with and uh, consultation you know with that the they're, families. They're... Okay. Riveting. So uh, I, uh, I don't even – I don't – I didn't even – Register with it wasn't me. exactly an electric program. <laughs> it really wasn't. It really wasn't. But here's what is electric. Mm-hmm. We have this. We have the split now on uh, on McDonough 
and Lurch. Was that right? Let's, let's take a look at whether or not you were correct on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is important stuff. I mean, <laughs> uh, okay, nothing that pose necessarily. <laughs> I think there's something there. Something there. We need to redo his hair so it's pushed forward. <laughs> yeah. uh, and look, obviously, he's got the heavy eye makeup. I, it's pretty close. It's yeah. pretty close. We need. We need a. Now, if he had a different facial expression on, yeah, it, it might be helpful. I think we continue to work on this one. This could yeah. be something. This yeah. could be something. You might be uh, onto something there. Uh, this could change the world. Maybe we can. Maybe we can leave that up while I play an, another segment from McDonough this weekend. This one he was challenged fairly strongly by by Chris Wallace on the tax situation. So they hit him on slipping up on the name uh, of the hostage he wasn't supposed to mention. Then why they won't say radical Islam, they don't negotiate with hateful characters. And here he is on, you know, the uh, the absolute redistribution of wealth and what Obama is doing, raising taxes on on the wealthy. And what exactly have the wealthy paid their fair share? One last question, sir. The president wants to pay for free community college for increased child care tax credits. By raising taxes on the wealthy, $210 million billion over 10 years. And his argument is the same as it's been since he came into office. Take a look. And we're helping to ensure that all Americans are contributing their fair share. <laughs> Pay our fair share. Folks making a million dollars or more so that we can help folks who are struggling to get by. But- Everyone pays their fair share. Everyone does their part. Mm, Everyone does their fair share. Everyone. Everyone plays by the same set of rules. Same set of rules. But during the Obama years, the top capital gains rate has jumped from 15% to 23.8%, and he'd now like to raise it to 28%. And the top income tax rate has gone from 35% to 39.6%. Question, what is a top earner's fair share of taxes? Thank you. You know, it's interesting. You point out the capital gains. Uh, you know, it's interesting because uh, I'm not going to answer your question. Yeah, uh, make sure that Congress gets. You know, it's interesting because I'm going to answer a completely different question than the one you asked me. Yeah, uh, to do that brings it back to where it was under President Reagan. That wasn't the question. Wasn't it, the question. it wasn't. What does this rate bring it back to? It was. What is a fair share? Which he will not. And they, and this goes on for another minute and forty two seconds where he won't answer the question. Uh, Wallace tries to pin him down again on this, and he goes off again on the Reagan thing. Well, it's the same rate as Reagan when Reagan left. Right. Well, it was also the rates for income were different. Yes. It was part of a package. Right. They had That's a correct. higher capital grains, but a much it was 28%. Essentially, it was 28% flat tax uh, for higher earners. Um, and a 28%, well, then I don't know. Then maybe if, if the taxes were 28%, then maybe a 28% capital gains would be okay. So easily addressed. Yeah. Now, Wallace didn't address it in that way, but it's so ridiculous to answer, well, what is the fair rate? Why can't you answer that question? Why can't you just say, give me a percentage? You keep saying that the wealthy are not paying their fair share. Give us the number. What is the wealthy's fair share? Yeah, and of course, the true answer to that question is higher. Whatever it is now, it's higher. higher. And whatever it is then, it will be higher. And whatever it is after that, it will also be higher. That's the only answer they have to that question. No, because they won't pin you. They won't because they don't want people to know that it's already 40 percent. In fact, it's higher than that. Yeah, it's actually higher. It's 44.8%. 44.8 percent or whatever it is. And and so that's just on federal taxes. And then you have state and local and all that. And if you live in New York, you know, you're up near 60 or, or higher. 
Sixty percent of your money is going to go into the government of some kind. Yeah, I got my first paycheck uh, of the year recently, and I was looking at it, uh, and literally half of it was gone. Now, yeah, it wasn't gone. all because – I mean, I live in a low-tax state, too. I mean, there's no state income tax. A lot of it was, you know, different – you know, program. that wasn't all uh, – Taxes. It was also savings things, and but uh, you know the payroll tax and all all those other things that come in. It yeah. was basically half. And you just look at it, you're just like how how I mean, th- and this is you know because I'm in a low t- tax state that could only happen because I also take money out of it for for one ks and stuff like that. But regardless, this does happen. In when we lived here, it did happen all the time. When you live in New York City, um, uh, it happens all the time. Here you face not only forty four point eight percent federal tax you also uh, face up to i think it's 11 percent state income tax plus a five percent city tax so all those things come together you're looking at you could get up for it to it was 60. 12 uh, is it 12 yeah i think it's 12 Not so 12 plus five right is okay. state is so, 12 and so it's 17 altogether yeah, okay what, yeah but whatever whatever but it's bottom line is it's, it's, it's a lot yeah it's low double digits is the highest rate yeah but i mean the point is though you, you can get up to 60 percent of your income gone easily uh it, and, and it's like how is that how is that possibly moral? I mean, forget I, I whether know. it's good really economic policy or not. Yeah. How is it moral to take 60% of something? Somebody earns a dollar and you take 60% of it? How can anybody justify that? I, I, it's, that's dictator-level type crap. Yeah. Let's, right? say, let's say somebody makes a million dollars a year. Okay, that's a really good wage. Yeah. That's a oh, lot yeah. of money. Mm-hmm. If you're taking 60% of it, you're taking $600,000. And you're leaving them with four hundred thousand. And is four hundred thousand dollars a lot of money too? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's not the point. But that's not the point. The point is that is it moral to take more than half of the money earned from someone for the work that they did? And in this city, four hundred thousand dollars. You're not living. I mean, it's a good wage. Yes. And you're still living nicely, but you're not. You're living okay. Well. You're not okay. wondering where your next meal is coming no, from, no. probably. In but this it, city, yeah. You, you actually could be if you didn't spend it well. If you weren't wise about it, if you weren't yeah. smart, you could, you know, and of course, squander that. Their their comeback to that would be like, well, then don't squander it. Um, actually, I should first be able to all, do whatever I want with it's my, my money. money. So don't tell yeah. me what to do with it. Second yeah. of all, um, I it wouldn't matter if I squandered it if you didn't take so much of it. And third of all, when you take it, you squander it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be squandered either way. Just is it going to be by me or by you? Uh, you know, I, I, it's so it's so infuriating it's, because it's it, unbelievable. So give us the figure. I wish they would, you know, don't let them squirm out of it with some other bullcrap answer like, well, that's the same rate as Reagan when he left. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah, it was part of a different of all, package. It too. sure was. It was part of a package where 28 percent was the top rate. So it, a completely different. You're comparing Perfect. apples to oranges yeah. there. Um and and then so and plus you hate Reagan so don't don't give me the example of of Ronald Reagan when you disagreed with every policy he had uh, and now now that you're raising taxes to get to a level that we had cut and worked really hard to get down so that people could keep more of their own money that that's not a great excuse give me the percentage is it fifty percent do you think you're entitled to half of what I work for. Is it 60% when the hell will you be happy with what you're taking? And the other thing that, that Wallace never addresses in this is Obama's claim that everybody plays by the same set of rules. No, they don't. What are you talking about? There are 47% of wage earners in this country who do not play by the same set of rules. They're not paying any income tax. 47% 
of Americans are, are getting all their money back. They're not playing by the same yeah, set of right. rules. And what the, are you talking about? The stat is, I believe, 60% of Americans get more than they put in. 60%. 60%. It's not 47%. So you can't tell me that's a fair share, and you can't tell me they're playing by the same set of rules. you got a different set of rules for the rich. They're paying a hell of a lot more. And you got a different set of rules for the middle class and the poor. It's not the same set of rules. So stop saying that. Stop saying it. It's not true. Did you find the Reagan numbers? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm almost positive. What, what they did is they did this donut thing, which is, I, I think, mm-hmm. as far as I know, the only time this has ever been done. But what they did is they had the top rate be 28%. Then they instituted a higher rate for a, only uh, like a few thousand dollars. Um, and I don't remember what the rate was. That's what I was trying to find off the top of my head. But basically what it did was for for mega rich people, it it took out the lower tiers. So it was 28% for their whole income. It essentially turned it into a flat tax over a certain amount of money. Um, so it was like – so the 32 – let's just say it was $100,000. I'm just making these numbers up. So the 28% rate went up to $100,000. Then from hundred to 120000 it was 32%. And then it dropped back down to 28% above that again. So the point was, once you hit that number where the 32% thing ran out, your entire income was taxed at 28%. Usually the way taxes work, and this takes, this took me, I didn't understand this for a long time. But, um, you know, when I was a kid and stuff, you don't understand these things because you're thinking about, you think, okay, I have 20% where they're taking 20% of my money. Well, not really because it's stepped up. So the first $40,000 you make, you might pay 10% on. The next forty thousand, you might pay twenty, and the next forty thousand, you pay thirty. What mm-hmm. the Reagan thing did in under that scenario would make the next twenty thousand be forty percent, then back down to thirty above that. It's hard to illustrate uh, without a visual, but essentially that's what they did. That's why I said essentially it's a flat tax at twenty eight percent because for people who are super high earners, once they got over this point, uh, you know, uh, over a certain threshold. Everything was taxed. Their entire income was 28%, which was a flat tax. And I can't remember, how did that work out for America? Was there any result uh, that came of that? Um, was it a positive or negative time for the economy? It seems like the, the 80s, 80s were a booming time for really? the economy. That huh. must have been because of that hmm. 28% capital gains tax. Must have been. Which is the only thing must I remember from that entire period. It was fixed once it got to 28%. Mm-hmm. 888-727-BECK. More patents do coming up. Triple eight seven two seven back. It's Pat and Stu. Uh, the president of the United States is uh, talking about middle class economics because nobody has done a better job on the economy than this president. Has he? I mean, everything is fixed. <laughs> Everybody's doing great right now, right? Middle class Americans are just thriving right now. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! And uh, this weekend, he did his weekly address. Pushed for a new economy full of giveaways. Uh, two years of free community college so that the middle class can thrive. And, of course, we could afford to do these things by closing loopholes in our tax code that stack the decks for special interests and super rich. 
Of course, that's not what they're doing. Uh, in that uh, thing we played for you from uh, White House Chief of Staff, uh, Dennis McDonough, the, he brings he brings this up the the loophole they're closing. It's not a, it's, and he calls it a uh, trust fund. It's not a trust fund. First of all, it's a fund where uh, you leave it to your children. It's an inheritance. It's an inheritance. It's not, and it's it's different from a trust fund. But what they're what they're doing is they're saying that uh, you you need to be taxed on any interest that it accrues. So, for instance, if if I were to leave Stu some money, and let's say it was the number they keep using is ten million dollars, and twenty years from now I happen to die, and over time, but I've already been taxed on all that ten million dollars, mm-hmm, right? Because mm-hmm. I I. I earned it. I put it in the bank for you. I left it there. Now it starts to accrue during the time that I've died and before you take it out. Supposedly now it's accrued to $30 million. But I only paid taxes on the first $10 million, so they want to tax that extra twenty. Well, it was already taxed at the rate I put it in. Now it's just earned some interest. And and has grown to a point where now it's more money to leave to, if Stu is my son, my son. Uh, what's wrong with that? Yeah, that's why one of the reasons why people, and this is difficult to understand for a lot of uh, folks out there, Pat. But one of the reasons you try to work hard and earn money in your life mm-hmm. is so that you can, uh, A, leave money to your children to hopefully make their lives a little bit better. Right. Uh, and secondarily, uh, so that that money that you've earned can earn money by itself. Yes. In other words, you don't have to necessarily dig ditches your entire life. Hopefully at some point. The money you've earned will ditching. start working right. for you. Yes, that's the that's the hope. It's why people – they're always like, well, this is – people are doing uh, something uh, without uh, without even working. I got news for you. Investing is working. I know that's not a popular thing, but it's actually really hard. Uh, in fact, you look at the uh, study after study has shown that people who uh, do this for a living don't do any better than the indexes because it's that hard. Uh, it's really freaking hard to do. And, you know, if you in, in a big part of that, it's not just, hey, can I pick the right thing to invest in? It's also there is a risk involved. There is a risk involved. Yes, in it. there is. Um, and it, you could lose money. And the other part is even if you just leave it in the bank and they pay you interest, mm-hmm. you still have to deal with the uh, – you are still providing a service. You are providing capital to the bank that they will therefore later on lend out to some shady person who they're, they're going to make you pay for when they can't pay their mortgage. So you're accepting all the risk because mm-hmm. it might go the other way too. I mean your investment night might not work out. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if all of these funds that they're talking about are completely protected from any sort of loss. Which I, I can't imagine. I mean, but some, some, yeah, obviously, there are be. investments that don't there, grow quickly that do that sort of thing. Yeah, but certainly in 20 years, it's not going to grow by 20 million if it's in that kind of yeah. uh, portfolio, right? Because the more the risk, the the more the reward. Mm-hmm. The less risk, the less reward. So something that starts at 10 million is not going to be 30 million in 20 years with a low low yield sort of uh, situation. But even so, why is that the government's money? When you earned it, you paid the taxes on it, you put it in there, now it's growing for you and your family. The government has already gotten their share. Yeah. That that doesn't belong to you in any way. And you shouldn't 
be entitled to a single penny of it. Yeah. So now the government wants to tax money when it comes into the company that you work for, when the company pays you, when you buy something, or if you save something, mm-hmm. or if you give it to your children. They just they just simply want a giant piece of every one of those transactions. That's all they're asking. Yeah. Uh, does that sound like a fair deal? And no, well, I mean you got roads isn't. out of it. Got those, got those roads, crumbling roads, as we've been told many times. Yeah, they're but still roads. crumbling despite the trillions of dollars we've pumped into it <laughs> yeah. over the last six years. It's it's an amazing situation. And by the way, we we went from a uh, a zero rate on inheritance uh, money and property that you that you leave to your children after you die. There, there was no inheritance tax for a very short time, and now it's fifty percent. Yeah, it was one year. It was. Um, it was zero. It was zero for one but year. Before that, it was much lower than it yeah, is now. Yeah, way lower. And yeah, I, I don't know, thirty or twenty or maybe even lower than that. And now it's fifty percent. So after you die, they're going to take half of everything that you that you earned during the course of your lifetime and paid taxes on, and they're going to take that from you, so that you can't leave it to anybody, your children or or whom, whomever. And then they want to dip into these funds that you left for them as well. It's just there's no escape anymore from from the government that has become so large that there's nothing we can do about it anymore. Here's what the president said in his uh, address over the weekend on middle-class economics. Middle-class economics means helping workers feel more secure in a world of constant change, making it easier to afford child care, mm-hmm. college, paid leave, health care, a home, and retirement. Middle-class economics means doing more to help Americans upgrade their skills through opportunities like apprenticeships and two years of free community college so we can keep earning higher wages down the road. Middle-class economics means building the most competitive economy in the world by building the best infrastructure, opening new markets so we can sell our products around the world, and investing in research so that businesses keep creating good jobs right here. And we can afford to do these things by closing loopholes in our tax code that stack the decks for special interests in the super rich and against responsible companies and the middle class. I can't take it. I I can't take it. How does that loophole hurt anybody else? It doesn't. It doesn't. But it galls this guy to think that he can't get his hands on another pot of gold. If somebody's got some money stashed away, and it's a lot of money, it galls him that you dare think it's yours and not his. Man, does that drive me out of my mind. Yeah, and this middle class uh, economics is a uh, very um, time-tested tradition for progressives. They like to say middle class as much as possible. And, and one of the reasons for that is everybody considers themselves middle class. Um, uh, Jonah Goldberg's book, Tyranny of Clichés, has a really good telling of the story and, and how they came up with this philosophy. And essentially what it, you know, for years and years and years, people, you know, the McGovern age, uh, you know, Dukakis, it was Democrats trying to put together a bunch of crazy minorities and hippies. Like it was like it was them trying to find every group that they could possibly find. And say, okay, well, you know, you part this group, this group, this group, this group, this group, and then a bunch of the hippie, you know, uh, uh, you know, the hippie generation, essentially. And what um, what Clinton was the first one to do 
was to start instead just talking about the middle class all the time. And it's because the middle class involves all of those groups. All of those groups consider themselves to be middle class. Um, and it's, 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 he tells it in an interesting way. But the bottom line is we have, um, looking at this poll from Gallup, 40, 42% of people uh, consider themselves uh, to be uh, middle class. Another 31% consider themselves to be working class. So you're at 73. Then uh, uh, you have a lower class, about 10%, 13% say upper middle class. Okay, Only 2% of people think that they're upper class. Only 2% of the... So is that even a class? Only 2%. Remember when they used to say 99%? Mm-hmm. Well, essentially, because there's only 1% or 2% of the population, depending on what year you're looking at, uh, that's, that considers themselves to be upper class. So they know this percentage game works out in their favor. If they can convince everybody that they're working for the middle class, they're convincing everybody they're working for them. Yeah. And in this middle class economy that the president is continually talking about, he's all about the middle class, right? Well... Sadly, the middle class, uh, 54% of the middle class people gave up purchasing items like TVs or electronics so they could go on a vacation. Others had to make sacrifices this year under Obama, like reducing or eliminating their trips to movies, uh, reducing or eliminating trips to restaurants, or avoiding uh, small ticket items like clothes, 43%. They don't purchase new vehicles anymore uh they're not paying off their debt anymore there's no emergency savings anymore there's no retirement savings um medicare a forbes article published data indicating that workers in large companies many of whom are members of the middle class face nearly five thousand dollars in premiums co-payments deductibles and other forms of coinsurance now that's under obamacare for the middle class and and the lower class uh, and dental work, they're they're putting that off because they can't afford it. This guy is killing the middle class. I, I don't know how people are responding to this when they're not doing well, and he just keeps telling them, yeah, you are. Yeah, you're doing great, and I'm all about you. Really? Well, they, they can't do any of the things they used to do. How do you convince them of it? It's pretty amazing. They do a great job of uh, spin. 888-727-BECK. More Pat and Stu coming up. Triple eight seven two seven Beck, and over the weekend, uh, American Sniper shot past the two hundred million dollar mark at the box office. Uh, just a massive weekend, sixty four point four million, um, third highest weekend ever for January. They already set the highest weekend ever for January. Now they've got the third highest. This thing has some staying power. They they think it'll go well beyond three hundred million, and only six Warner Brother movies have ever done that. Six. 
It's pretty amazing. For a January movie, this is like a summer release, you know, or a Christmas release, not a January release. Yeah, and th- this happens with, with Oscar contenders. This will happen sometimes because they actually, the movie was technically released in December. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could qualify for all the awards. Um, however, Glenn taught me a lesson a long time ago, which is movies that come out in January usually suck. Yeah. Which is true, typically, because you're kind of burying those releases there. You're kind of like, all right, this isn't that great. We don't want a lot of competition. Yeah. We'll throw it out there. and Because you know, it can't compete during the holidays. Right. Can't, can't compete during the holidays or the summer. Or the summer. So, yeah. So, But, I mean, obviously, American Sniper is a big exception of that. We went over the Oscars the day they came out, and we made the observation that there were no hit movies in for Best Picture. All of them were artsy. All, there was nothing that was a success commercially. Except with, this one. With the, with the uh, asterisks at the time that I th- we, think, we thought American Sniper would be a big movie. I don't know that I thought it was going to be this big. I mean, this is, I mean, it's going to make $300 million. I mean, I would have been happy with $100 million, honestly. Three, and this is an R-rated, at times vicious, hard-to-swallow, tough telling of this war. This is not just some glory, glorious, uh, you know, Hey, patriotic USA, USA type of movie. This is this is tough to deal with at times. I mean, yeah. you know, again, like we keep talking about this, but this guy's family was almost completely destroyed by the service that he he gave to the country. Yeah, uh, and you know, to watch that to watch uh, that situation develop in front of your eyes, and then of course knowing the end of the story, which is the worst part of the whole thing. Uh, man, it, it is. It's not easy. Well, Chris Kyle chose to keep going back yeah, four times over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so his wife, Taya, you know, it's kind of natural. She'd start wondering, well, wait a minute. What about us? What about me and the kids? We need you too. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, t- it tore his family apart. You know who else is having a hard time with this movie? Uh, is everybody on the left for some reason? Yeah. They can't take it. Weird. They can't stand it. Here's Bill Maher slamming it. Hurt Locker made $17 million because it was a little ambiguous and thoughtful. And this one is just American hero. He's a psychopath patriot, and we love him. You know, I, I read some of the quotes from the real Chris Kyle. He said, I hate the damn savages, talking about the Iraqis, and I've been fighting and I always will. I love killing bad guys. Even with the pain, I loved what I was doing. Maybe war isn't really fun, but I certainly was enjoying it. Um, I don't know. Eisenhower once said, I hate war as only a soldier who has lived it can. I, I, I just don't see this guy in the same league as Eisenhower. I'm sorry. And if you're a Christian, I know this is a Christian country. Uh, I hate the damn savages. I don't give a what happens. That doesn't seem like a Christian thing to say. Thank you, Mr. Atheist, for uh, telling us what the Christian thing to say is in a mocking tone like that. Mm. That guy's a piece of crap. I I, I don't give a crap what he thinks of the movie. Chris Kyle, and I'm sure Taya doesn't either. I mean, who cares? No, I certainly don't care at all. I mean, again, these these same five quotes come out from this book. Uh, He wasn't calling all Iraqis savages. Talking about the people who were trying to kill the the people he was trying to save. Yeah, and by the way, this comes which included uh, not from me. This comes from the guy who wrote the book with him, who sat there and listened to the stories and and told us this last week on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is obviously like loving war. Loving war. It's about you go to war because you love what it, it what you what it's standing for. You volunteer. You don't need to do it. 
You volunteer your life. You put it on the line to go to war. If you don't love that cause, why the hell are you there? Why are you there? These guys, do, they don't love the act of mur- killing somebody. They don't love that. Of course not. No one loves to uh, to kill someone. However, when those people are responsible for uh, dozens of other deaths and they're putting drills in the hands and the heads of Iraqi children, then damn straight. You want somebody who's going to go in there and flip the switch on Jeffrey Dahmer? I'm there. Mm-hmm. I'm fine flipping that switch. No problem. Going to feel fine about myself in the morning. Going to wake up smiling. Yeah, because it's something that is something that is uh, is just and 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 right. And look, you know, it's it, obviously it's complicated. But this goes back to what I remember um, uh, back in the day when Glenn was I, was on Fox or something. And there was some idiotic. I, I wish I could remember his name because he used to write about Glenn, you know, all the time. And he was there's some crappy anti-war movie. Might have been Hurt Locker. It was one of those movies that was like kind of anti-war uh, and. It was about the Iraq war and it flopped and we were making fun of it. And they were and he was just out there saying, I just for some reason, I remember him calling it. You don't understand the concept of a loss leader. Uh, you know, well, you have something that comes out. The first couple might fail. But overall, at the end, it's, it's going to turn around. and People are going to realize what's right here. You know, it's a loss leader. Well, where it led what? There has not been any Iraq anti-Iraq war movie that has come out and been successful still. What year is it? It's 2015. And now the biggest movie in the world is, well, I would not say it's a pro-Iraq war movie. It certainly does uh, paint this, the struggle as a justified one, I would say, uh, and and promotes one of the, the most deadly sniper in American history who fought in the Iraq war for four tours as an American hero. So, screw you, you know, it's nothing to do with the American people, uh, I think, generally are hesitant about war. Um, don't want to be um, uh, don't want to be everywhere killing everybody. That's not what they want. But when when a cause is just, they believe that uh, it's okay for us to go over there and 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 do something. And you know, in, in in many circumstances, we probably have jumped the gun over our history. Um, many circumstances, if we didn't do what we had done, the, the world would be a completely different place. One that Bill Maher would not be saying anything about. Because Bill Maher, along with us and along with anybody else who has a strong opinion, would not be able to express it if yeah. it was not for the work of people like Chris Kyle. Same with Howard Dean. Here's what he said on the same show on uh, Bill Maher. There's a lot of anger in this country, and the people who go see this movie are people who are very angry. And this guy basically says, I'm going to fight on no. your side. And they bite, bite for it. I, I, th- I think there's some, I bet you if you looked at, uh, a cross-section of the Tea Party and people who go to see this movie, there's a lot of intersection. These things are stupid people. Just yeah. but stupid people. Fortunately, there was a conservative on the panel, apparently, uh, Wall Street Journal columnist Brett Stevens. Uh, but before we get to Brett, real quick, Pat, how the hell would... We're told the Tea Party is this minuscule bunch of idiots that don't even... They have no impact anymore, right? Yeah, who how got this they, movie to $200 million? Movie, It'd be the biggest movie of the year. I know. I, I don't understand how that's working. <laughs> Here's Brett Stevens. I can't believe you came away with that impression of the film. What I saw was a movie that treats what veterans and soldiers go through in a way that was subtle it was not just about war. It was about well, PTSD. Mm-hmm. It was about what, what the yeah. wives of soldiers go through. Um, and by the way, Thank the you. savages he's mm-hmm. talking about, okay, 
aren't ordinary Iraqis. The savages are al-Qaeda killers who put drills into children to enforce Okay, you orders. know what? When he was sitting up go. there and looking 200 yards away, he didn't know that's who he was shooting. In the first scene, he's about to shoot a kid. Oh, for gosh sakes. I... I the what kid the was hell? Th- was throwing a grenade the at kid, our troops. The kid was had a grenade in his hand, and the Douche. guy he shot from two hundred uh, or two miles oh. away w- again was suppo- was in the was movie. the guy protecting the butcher of Baghdad, right? And, and, right? Yeah, another murderer. It was a guy who uh, had yeah. shot numerous amounts of troops. Unreal, you know. Uh, and, uh, this guy makes no sense. Uh, look, it's just, 90% it's just like I guess you feel. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. That's what's so perplexing 90%. about him. And, and why? Why I actually do think. Uh, and and this, these are tough moments to say things like this, but these are why I do think that Bill Maher is an interesting figure to be in the le- like. I like that he's part of the tapestry of American commentary because he he does ten percent of the time he is really right, yeah, uh, which is odd. Uh, and then the other part of it is when he says he is one of the only people on the left that says the things they actually mean. Yeah, again, like he's calling American troops basically guys that are maniacally slaughtering Iraqis. And that is what every one of your politicians that's on the left thinks. They all think that. They just never say that. They all have, go to their ceremonies and pin medals on these guys and then go back and talk about how they can't stand how our military goes and kills everybody. Well, at least Marr comes out and says it. He is just he is just articulating the same thing that every one of these left-wing politicians believes. It's amazing. 888-727-BECK. More patents, too. On the way. our phone number uh welcome to it uh, i don't know if you're hearing me or not but i keep getting uh, we're back in my ear so uh if you're not hearing me talk okay there we go all right uh so uh american sniper i don't know i mean I, I don't know if we can do any more on that i'm kind of sick of it honestly yeah. um let's go on to something cool which is uh this hololens thing from uh from uh from microsoft it's kind of amazing, I, you know, and I, I feel like Microsoft isn't the one typically making innovations like this. Like Microsoft came up with Windows and like Excel and Word, and I think they've pretty much just been on that for about a hundred years. Uh, yeah, like they, that's where they make all their money. It seems like, and then it, they, it really seems, yeah. doesn't it? Like Microsoft is not the innovator, right? They've never been innovators. Like they came out with something really good, and again, as you've. Uh, they stole accused. it. You stole. They, they stole, stole it, it in the beginning, and then they continue to steal it. Yeah, right. you know, they they stole it and they applied it in a way in which people could consume it. Right, which is smart, you know. And mm-hmm. and Gates has a talent for that, but he's not an innovator. You look at the difference between Apple and Microsoft; it's massive, right? Because Apple innovates. Apple came up with uh, uh, a really unique sort of uh, computer with the uh, Macintosh. Um, and it, it was a computer that wasn't subject to a lot of the same problems, the viruses and all that kind of stuff. It, they came up with the iPod, the iPad, the iPhone. Mm-hmm. What has Microsoft done? Well, they've done Nothing. all of those things except later. 
Much later. Uh, and, yeah, and, afterwards. Yeah, Why? Because yeah, they then, right. oh, okay, everybody's doing phones. Let's take one of the phones and we'll do something like that. Right. And Microsoft has had built in this insane advantage, which is constant cash ge- generation from Windows and, yeah. and, and Office, um, among others. Um, and then a, a basically built-in way to implement their products, which is like, you know, one of the, Microsoft's answer to the iPod was the Zune. Remember the Zune? Not really. I remember the name. Yeah. I don't know what so, it did. It was like an MP3 player. Yeah. And it did some things, and then it had a Zune service. And the Zune, I'm guessing, did not work. It did not work. Yeah. I actually was a member. Of you Zune were a Zune a member? Because early on, because uh-huh. I couldn't use, it was very hard. I, I can't remember exactly why I didn't use, um, I was on, it was before I had an iPhone, so I wasn't using iTunes per se. Um, but Zune had something where you could listen to, you could basically pay a monthly fee and listen to as many songs as you want long before Spotify or any of those. That, I kind of remember now, that. Yeah. Which was a cool little service. And then they would give you a certain amount of full downloads uh, per month. Mm-hmm. So like, I think it was like 20 songs a month. You got free with your, with your monthly f- payment and you could listen to any song you wanted um, uh, as well during the month. So like if you're, if your subscription ran out, you couldn't listen to any song you wanted anymore, but you kept the twenty songs a month you downloaded. So I mean, it kind of it kind of was a cool little plan, and I, and I actually did like it, you know. But the the units were never as good as as the as the iPods were, and you know. And, but the thing is, they were able to essentially promote um, Zune on every single computer, uh, you know, because. They had the operating system. And, you know, there's been antitrust issues that went along with that, which to me is is another dumb example of government getting involved, honestly. Like if they don't if they want if Microsoft wants to put Zune and make it impossible for you to put iTunes on every one of their computers, they should be able to do that. It's essentially what Apple does. It's exactly what Apple does. But for some reason, Microsoft wasn't able to do that. But the point is, they've had a huge competitive advantage and they've they've come along with things like Bing and now the Microsoft Surface tablet instead of the iPad, Bing instead of Google. Right. Uh, you know, they've tried all of this stuff, and they haven't been able to do it. I'm going to show you this HoloLens thing coming up on the other side. This Which is, is kind of like cool. They're real innovation. This looks like an innovation. Pretty amazing. Yeah. On the other side, 727 Beckett's Pat and Stu. As uh, we mentioned right before the break, uh, Microsoft has perhaps made some kind of innovation after all this time. Uh, you know, I mean, did they start the computer revolution? Sort of, because they took things that they found at Xerox and IBM and applied them in a way that that those things could then be consumed. Like, they knew what to do with an operating system. Uh, I think the first operating system was developed by Xerox and and uh, Gates found it, took it, and sometimes they were just given this stuff. Other times they just they borrowed it uh, without permission. But but like the uh, the mouse, uh, nobody knew what to do with that. The operating the o- OS, uh, nobody knew what they had. Bill Gates did. 
So, you know, they, they've benefited greatly from that over time and turned this into a, a multi-billion, hundred, two, three, four, five hundred billion dollar business. So it worked out pretty well for them. Um, but the innovators, it seems to me, have been the people like Google and Apple and those kind of uh, companies have been the innovators in technology. But along comes Microsoft now with this big announcement that uh, that they have this HoloLens and what that will mean for, for our lives. Apparently, it's Windows, which is obviously incredibly lucrative, and it, it superimposes that operating system onto the world. So it takes Windows and projects it into the room you're in, I guess. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of complicated, but uh, do, do we have that to show, uh, like we did last week or is that not available? The, the video from last week shows how cool this thing is. Cause you just, you put on these goggles and then you can do all kinds of different things. Like it, the, the goggles map out the room and then project games on it. Like Minecraft, you could, you're in the middle of the Minecraft game. Or uh, it'll project something that you want to, uh, you know, you're an architect and it, and it projects the plans you have for a building. And then you can make changes on it and that kind of stuff. Um, it, it can, I, I mean, you have to see the video to understand because it's, it's really cool. Yeah. And David Carr in the New York Times is really kind of taking this on. Not, not, not that it's bad technology, just why do we want it? And he's a, he's a tech guy. He asks, uh, what is it about our current reality that is so insufficient that we feel compelled to augment or improve it? I understand why people bury themselves and their phones on elevator rides, on subways, and in the queue for coffee. But has it gotten to the point where even our distractions require distractions? No yes, it has gotten to that point, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, no media viewing experience seems complete without a second screen where we can yammer with our friends on social media and instant messages about what we are watching. Every form of media is now companion media, none meriting a single acute focus. We are either the most bored people in the history of our species or the ubiquity of distractions has made us act that way. Mm, yeah, I'm not sure which it is, but it's maybe a little <laughs> bit of both. Yeah. Um, but it's really cool because, I, I mean, I can understand the appeal here. You can take, you, you put on these goggles. You don't have to have a TV screen. You just project one up on the wall and there it is. And you're watching TV. Now, supposedly... Uh, I guess the signal would run through the goggles and project onto the television screen and it'd be in high definition. And so you wouldn't actually need a $1,000 or $1,200 or $2,000 screen. Right, because it's just essentially, it, it's a, it's almost like it's a it's virtually there. picture on the wall. Right. But you're watching like a 60-inch screen from your goggles. Mm -hmm. It's pretty amazing. Well, here's a, here's a look at it. We we can show you what uh, what we showed last week just to bring you up to what speed. If we could go beyond the screen. Where your digital world is blended with your real world. Uh-huh. Now we can. This is the world with holograms. What will they enable us to do? New ways to visualize our work. I have an idea for the fuel tank. New ways to share ideas with each other. How are things going your end? I just put the images in one drive. Perfect. 
more immersive ways to play. New ways to teach and learn. So put the new trap in the place of the old one. Now what? And tighten here and here. This is Microsoft HoloLens. Hmm. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? That's yeah. that seems pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, I don't think this takes off until you're you're not wearing goofy goggles that look like that. Like I I, I don't think you know, really. Yeah. I, I I like I could see it being part of uh, in sort of a, a specific entertainment experience where like you are sitting down to play video games you put this thing on you are you know um you are uh at a, like 3d glasses at a movie theater like people will do it at a movie theater but very few people are actually using 3d in their homes yeah so you're saying that rather than project the tv up on the wall you'd rather just watch the actual tv mm -hmm. on the wall right and i <laughs> yeah but i think i well but I, what i'm saying though is when Let's just say, you know, coming up with however, you don't know how this is going to develop, but it turns into a contact lens that's just in your eye, and it's not just this clunky thing on your head. Mm -hmm. At that point, I think it's it'll work. It's, until it gets there, it's novelty. Because it's just like the 3D glasses. It's like they're 3D, I'm sure, on your cable system uh, and on mine. My TV can play 3D. There are channels. The ESPN is in 3D. Yeah. It's available at my house right now. Literally not once I've ever used it. Because it's just stupid. I don't want to sit in my house with glasses on so I can see 3D. Well, I don't even like doing that at the theater, yeah. actually. I, it bugs me. But, yeah, but I've done it a few times. Right. But I, I'd prefer not to watch it yeah, in 3D. I, I don't mind it at the theater. And I think it does look better. But I just, it's, you know, when you got, you're putting stuff on your head, it's just like clunky. Mm -hmm. You need It needs to be kind a little bit more seamless. And I mean, it, like look, what? A contact lens? Yeah, you, you'd I, have I to have some that. kind of... Yeah way to do that like a contact lens or something something of that nature yeah. again you know maybe some how about this they take your eyes out and just put screens there something like that that'll be nice just just remove your eyes from their socket what I'm if they took sure that would be ideal what if they got rid of your hands and then you uh, could have really good looking hands so when you with your mm -hmm. screen eyes would see better like brad pitt's hands what if they cut your face off and project a good looking face right, on like it. a good yeah so you'd look just see, like that would be great like for brad us pitt. it'd be great and every woman would look like All angelina right. jolie i'm with you now i'm with you yeah, yeah. yeah. i like it <laughs> solving problems uh by the way there's another one you could steal, Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Mm -hmm. uh, Pharrell on global warming uh, last week. It, it, what I like about this is the consistency of the message compared to where he's giving the message. <laughs> it's good. I guess he was speaking last week at the World Economic Forum, and Pharrell Williams stated how excited he was to participate in Al Gore's live Earth concert in Paris this summer, and how we need to maintain the perfect conditions for our species to survive. Here's Pharrell. After seeing such an incredible presentation and watching the news, I think you guys know how serious the global warming thing is. And so for us, we're taking it very seriously. <clears throat> I do. And we wanted to do something very different this time. Um, instead of just mm -hmm. having people perform, mm -hmm. we literally... And I can't go all the way into it now because uh, some interesting surprises coming out soon. But we literally are going to have 
humanity harmonize all at once. And I am very, very, very happy and proud oh to be a gosh. part of this. Um, That'll do it. This moment for our species. We're a very precious species. And if we've learned anything from what David shown us earlier, is that it takes the perfect conditions. And uh, I think that we have to continue to give to that idea of it being a perfect condition in this world. So thank you guys very much. Well, th- thank you, Pharrell. What? Oh, f- thank you, Pharrell. <laughs> <laughs> we got to hear from Al there. Thank you, Pharrell. Uh, uh, just want to make sure the way this? they're fighting climate change is good for everyone to be harmonizing together, which would mean that everyone is at the same time expelling carbon uh, dioxide, uh, dioxide into the <laughs> yes. They're actually expelling like, like I just did. Right. <sighs> They'll be singing, therefore actually adding to the problem they're singing to solve. I, In a very minor Thank way. you for that, Stu. Yeah, yes, what you said is great. <laughs> and I, no, I, don't think I it love is. it. I do. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't believe how stupid these people are. Since when do we have to have perfect? What perfect condition is he talking about? Yeah, what do you mean? Change the whole what existence of humanity. What do you mean the perfect conditions? Do we... Uh, we have the conditions we have, and and the world was created to withstand some imperfect things happening to it. Mm-hmm. And some imperfect things have been occurring for a good long time. I think when this world was created, the creator of it knew that one day there would be SUVs, and there would be plane transportation, and there would be lava, and there would be CO2 being expelled and in fact had a way to provide for all of that had a way that a lot of times the earth would be self-healing and it would be resilient and it would be able to withstand what human beings came up with yeah i mean uh, even in the global warming did he not know did it all take him by surprise wait a minute i didn't know you guys were going to come up with suvs right (laughs) i can't This planet's not going to take that. Now, does that mean we go out and live haphazardly and belch as much smoke as we can? Of course not. you got to be good stewards of the earth. But, you know, we've come a long way with pollution. With, uh, yeah, we're with, going the right way. And all we're going the right way. Everything measurable. And have been for a really long time. Um, you know, uh, you look at uh, you know something like SUVs, it, it's like... Is the is the Earth capable of handling something like that? Like, like an my, SUV? My belief is yes, it is. That's my belief. Uh, however, as well. even in the global warming theory, there's stuff like that. Remember, they all said it was going to be much much warmer, and then they all said mm-hmm. we are surprised to see the oceans absorbing more heat than we thought. Yeah, right. Like, should we, should we go back to what what they said would happen? Right. What 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 would happen if uh, if the if the ocean did not act as the opposite of the way that they thought it would act just a few years ago? Uh, they've tried to come up with a summary of that. Here's what they said would happen. Carbon emissions also trap heat. Today's Except the, uh, can we turn up this machine here? 360 machine. 360 is yeah, not up. Carbon Apparently emissions gonna... also trap heat. Today's yeah, it was up just last hour, and now something's happened. Of that heat. So. We've lost audio, but if, lost if you remember, that it was It's going to be 200 degrees hotter mm-hmm. if all of the energy of the ocean released at once, because the... What they have attributed the cooling to or the the lack of warming is that the ocean absorbed more of the warming than they thought it would. Yeah. 
And so if all of that was released at once, it would be 200 degrees Fahrenheit warmer than it is now. Right. That's not how the Earth acts. And so there's no No. reason to believe that would ever happen. In fact, it can't happen. It's just Uh, stupid. Right. So you didn't understand how the world worked in the first place. Mm -hmm. And yet we're supposed to fear everything you say about it now. Well, you didn't know then. Could it be that the Earth, like, for example, before SUVs? Before uh, global warming, before all of this happened, there would be things like ice ages. There would be massive changes, changes in climate millions of years ago that were completely, you know, dwarf the scale of the stuff we're talking about now. Mm-hmm. And yet those things weren't runaway trains forever. They somehow reversed themselves. Could it be that the Earth has a way of handling these things when things, something no. gets out of balance? It can't be that. It can't be that. Did we actually show the Pharrell picture, that. by the way, yet? No, let's show the we Pharrell show picture. This. Here's the guy who is desperately concerned about mankind having to have perfect conditions to live. And there he is sitting on a private jet alone. And apparently he's, I don't know if he's tweeting right now at this point, about climate change, but he well, he very well could be from a private jet, sitting there by himself, flying around. <laughs> if you believe as he does yeah. that yeah. we're on the brink of catastrophe and you have to have perfect condition, what are you doing flying around in that thing? Because he, well, what are he you wants doing? Things for himself, and he thinks it's trendy to go out and act it's like so he ridiculous. Cares about the Earth, but in reality, he wants stuff for himself. And Al Gore, same thing. Yeah, here's yeah. the guy warning us over and over and over. Flies on the same kind of Gore, private jet. However, is much more aware of how he looks like Pharrell is, you know, Pharrell's an idiot. Yeah. yeah Pharrell no doesn't question. know what he's talking about. No question. So Pharrell is out there and he's the celebrity muscle behind an event like this, but he doesn't know anything about climate change. He's just out there, you know, he's riding, a, when you're riding a private jet by yourself, because even Gore would have people around him. Gore would have even mm. a smaller private jet. This is a massive private jet. It looks like a 747. He's got two. It's huge. He's got couches. He's got reclining reclining chairs. He's got a hallway. Yeah. Look at that. Now, I mean, look how deep that thing is. Now it's we, long and yeah. deep. We've we've flown privately uh, before because uh, the company flies us that way. When Glenn particularly is is flying, and it's not all the time, but sometimes we've been able to do it. And when we have, it's been on much smaller jets than that, um, and it's packed. There um, every time we go anywhere, it's always packed because. You know, to to justify it cost wise, not because of the environment, just cost wise, you have to, you know, pack everybody you can on there. There's when nobody else on that yeah. flight unless they're way in the back yeah. in the bedroom. They're all of the private to jet. Make them look more green. Somebody's in the swimming pool. Another guy's in the hot tub. I do have a question to Al Gore. Maybe Gore can answer it. Uh, which is, is the climate hurt when private jets are flown by progressives? No. That's a simple answer to that. You don't that. even need no. Al Gore for no, that. No, I don't need him. You need him. Okay. I don't need him. That's good. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. More patents stew is, uh, you know, inevitable. So, sorry. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. Due to snowpocalypse today, we're we're being told we may not even get back to our hotels. We may not even be able to by foot 
we may not even be able to get there. Apparently, people are being killed by giant snowballs coming out of the sky mm-hmm. uh, along the lines of snow meteors. And uh, and so these snow meteors have killed over 4 million pedestrians in New York City today. Well, just in the last 15 minutes. In the last 15 minutes. Too much. Too, that's that, too many that's, dead. That's too many. Too we, many dead. We're willing to go out on that limb and say 4 million dead pedestrians is too many. A tad. but uh, By a tad. Okay. At least a tad. Well, it would be an acceptable death count from Snokepocalypse. I think if we could keep it under a trillion... We have so far. You said that four million was unacceptable. Oh, but that's I've been looking at the pace, the projection. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. I think four million every fifteen minutes could die for a really long time before you get to a trillion. I think uh, like uh, half an like hour. A, I don't know. I'm not a math guy. You're not a math no. guy. That's pretty clear. Uh, Greece's governing conservatives were not math people either, and neither were the radicals before them. And uh, and now they just had another election in Greece, and uh, the conservatives just conceded defeat to the radical left. But following not so close, I like the headline in uh, on the Blaze today. It said, uh, "Radical left wins big, neo Nazis not far behind." Jeez. Well, wait. I thought you said they won big. How could they not be far behind? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a All little right. bit of a mm-hmm. you know a little dichotomy there within the context of the headline, but I got the point. And I think, or the Nazis third, but they were a fairly you know they were fairly yeah. close yeah. to the top. So people are saying that they're you know they're just a little uncomfortable. First of all, you have the radical left, so you've got communists, and then following just shortly behind them uh, are Nazis. It, it's not. It's not uh, It's not exactly positive what's going on in Greece right now. First of all, you, you, had, the, uh, you had the problem with the um, austerity, mm-hmm. and they didn't like that because they don't want to cut back on the programs that they've grown accustomed to. And so after the austerity, you had the, you had the pendulum swing all the way back now. So apparently um, the... Syriza party is that what Syriza is uh, has won between thirty five point five and thirty nine point five percent, or one hundred and forty six to one hundred and fifty eight seats. This whole parliamentarian thing sucks. Yeah. I don't know that why they don't do it the right way, but yeah. they they seem to refuse to. The way we want it done is the right way. The way it should sure. be done. Yeah. You're doing it the right way when you do it our way, but mm-hmm. that's not how they do it. Um, so number two was the Samaras New Democracy Party with between 65 and 75 seats. Um, now, where where is the, uh, what are they called, the gold, the something or other, the... Golden Dawn? Yeah, the Golden Dawn Party. I don't, I don't see, I'm told they're third, but I, I don't see where they are here. Um, anyway, Syriza leader Alexis uh, Cyprus has promised to... Renegotiate the country's two hundred and forty billion dollar euro or two hundred and forty euro two hundred and forty billion euro or two hundred and seventy billion dollars international bailout deal. He pledged to reverse many of the reforms that creditors demanded in exchange for keeping Greece financially afloat. So he's gonna overturn all of the stuff they agreed to do. How do you do that? You already agreed to it. We gave you the loan. Now you're gonna renege on on the deal? Uh, on the um on the specifics of the loan, you can't do that. 
The anti-bailout rhetoric has renewed doubts over Greece's ability to emerge from financial crisis. Uh, It saw a quarter of its economy wiped out, sent unemployment soaring, and the currency, uh, it undermined the euro. Greece's creditors insist the country has to abide by previous commitments to continue receiving support. So what's going to happen here is they're going to renege, and then their creditors are going to say, okay, well, no more money then. And this this kind of thing could lead to war. I I don't think it will with the with Germany, but that's their biggest creditor. Well, I mean, look, uh, Germany's not known for war. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, peaceful people. That's the good yeah. thing. Oh yeah, that's they, the good thing. They never have a problem with anybody. No, it's true. Live and let live is the way they they, they see it. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, no, I don't think it necessarily will. will it could end in a financial war, though. I mean, it could end in, in, a, in a currency battle that uh, is going to be even more boring than what we're talking about right now, um, which is mm-hmm. it's going to be crushing uh, to all entertainment value uh, because currency. What does zero hedge are, say about it? I don't know. Let's get into the zero hedge. Uh, no, I refuse to do that. Huh. Um, all right. Under any circumstances, but I, I will say that uh, they are. It, it, I mean, it is. It's scary because you know they have. What Glenn's talked about for a long time is when people get desperate, they go to sort of reach, grasp for straws, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. who knows what they, you know, will go to right now. I mean, it, we, we sit here and we're like, oh, wow, the Golden Dawn Party. I mean, they're, you know, they could get up to third place and this is really scary. Look at the pop, pop, uh, popularity of this. Uh, actually, the first place is co- are communists who killed more than the Nazis. Uh, and communists have killed more that than the Nazis. That should be scary that enough. That should actually be scary enough. You don't mm-hmm. have to worry about the third place team. Right. Um, they're bad, too. Right. Uh, in fact, probably they're all bad to our to uh, our eye here in the United States, um, as far as as far as policies go. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, communists like you get to that point where you have radical leftists running a country. Mm-hmm. I mean, sir, are there a few examples of that? Okay, yeah, you got Cuba, uh, you got uh, North Korea. That's going pretty well right now. You've got uh, they're doing really well. Oh yeah, yeah. China, um, you know, while well, they're coming. How up- many North Korean products do you have in your home right now? Uh, all together. Can you, I'm talking about like from high get, tech, okay, hold on, uh, low tech, clothing. clothing and what the heck? Throw in Cuban products as well. Uh, come on, Pat. I, I know. How can it's, I possibly? It's uh, hard. None. <laughs> Not a lot of imports from either North Korea or Cuba. No. Well, now there will be though. Let me ask you this. Thanks to the president. Here's another mm-hmm. question. What's worse for death toll? Communism. Nazism, yeah, or snowpocalypse. How long? I mean, you want to compare the entire run? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, then it's going to be snowpocalypse by okay. a lot. All right. I think if you if you were to break it up by day, yeah, like the worst day is so per day. Snowpocalypse will probably be in between Nazism and communism. Okay. And and probably and probably the entire uh, of the entirety, like an entire week of snowpocalypse, would be bigger than even yeah. uh, communicative uh, diseases. Look at this. Oh wow! So what are they, they should kill everybody on the eastern shore. Which one's it. worse, the warning or the watch? The warning is the uh, worst. I one. always I always get confused over that. <laughs> I think the warning is the really bad one, and the watch. They were saying uh, in areas of Long Island, which is that Long Island you mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. Uh, off the coast of Connecticut. There fall into the sea, um, right? That's not what they're saying. No, not It'll quite. Be snowed right into the sea. It, it will be well. First of all, it'll be snowed into the sea, but secondly. Yeah. Uh, they're saying 60 to 80 mile an hour gusts. At oh, some my places. gosh. 80 what? mile an hour gusts? That is fa- that's that's fast. Yeah. That's too fast for a gust. 
And I'm going to say that <laughs> what worries me is that they could get so much snow there mm-hmm. on one side of the island oh, no. that it could tip over and yeah. uh, capsize. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be scary. All right, triple eight seven two seven. Back more patents too. Seven two seven Beck. It's Pat and Stu. Welcome, welcome. Uh, I I'm really quite uh, concerned by some of these companies who are so unpatriotic as to uh, as to not conform to what our president is trying to ask them to do. He's asking them to do a very simple thing, and that's put a calorie content on. Uh, all of their products. And, you know, Domino's Pizza is saying, oh, that's unworkable. <laughs> Apparently it's causing headaches uh, for these companies and they can't comply with it. One of the regulation's most outspoken critics is Domino's, and they said the rule from the FDA is vaguely written, carries the possibility of jail time. Jail time for not putting calorie content on your product? Lynn Little Executive Vice President of Domino's said one problem is that the final rule broadly expanded the definition of what qualifies as a menu. Under the rule, menu uh, can refer to any writing that is used by a customer to make an order selection at the time the customer is viewing the writing. So that could apply to advertisements. That, That applies to anything on the Internet. That applies to virtually everything. So he said, we, we no longer know what a menu is. It's really hard to interpret. Essentially, they're saying anything that a consumer can look at, <clears throat> at a potential or, when they make a, an order, is considered a menu. Right. Yeah, that's the normal definition of menu. Anything that anyone can, can look, look at, at while, while <laughs> sitting or eating in your establishment. Makes perfect sense, right? And it, I don't think you even have to sit in the establishment to do that. Um. This says anytime you make the choice, which would include, like, if you're making the choice at home, you know, calling them. So, obviously, you'd have to have it on the Internet. You'd have to have it on all your ads, newspaper or otherwise. You'd have to have it on the TV commercial. How could you do that? There's no possible. Like, if I look at a, if I look at a TV commercial, I see a Domino's Pizza. Of course, they don't do that commercial anymore. But if they do the Domino's Pizza ad, and I think, oh, yeah, the new pizza they're doing looks pretty good. Have I not made the decision then? So they they have to list the calories of all their pizzas yeah. at the time I make that decision. And what's the result of that? Eventually, is your food ads start looking like your prescription drug ads. Please don't do this. Where it's a pizza and then there's Please. 14. Here's a great pizza. You'll love it. Uh, restrictions apply. You're not allowed to eat this much because this much is this many calories. And the USDA is decided. Pepperoni pizza contains 1,400 calories. Don't try it. Right. Seriously, uh, you're going to have to have that, right? Yeah. Just like just like half of the ad or more. And uh, I counted this on, 
I, I forget what the product was, uh, but I put it in the machine a couple of weeks ago because we were talking about it. And Glenn said, oh, we should do that. And I did. And then we never got around to it. But it was a it was a new ad for a new product that I don't even remember what it does. But it was literally 20 seconds of what the new drug does. And a minute 40, it was a two-minute commercial, a minute 40 of the side effects and what it can potentially do to you. Because they, by law, have to list every side effect that's ever been experienced, no matter how remote the possibility of you getting that side effect is during the ad. That's crazy. Yeah. Why even run the ad? I wouldn't even run the ad as as a drug manufacturer anymore. So, yeah, that's what they're doing to Domino's and Pizza Hut and and everybody else. Um, Apparently... Uh, considering that Domino's customers can customize their own pizza, the, oh, that makes it even tougher. There's an endless number of possible combinations of toppings, each of which has a different calorie count. Little said a low-ball estimate of combinations for Domino's that they offer is 34 million. They offer 34 million different combinations, so they'd have to have <laughs> 34 million different calorie counts. And for Pizza Hut, it'd be $2 billion. Yeah, $2 billion. Two billion two possibilities. Billion. Just so the two billion. Two, just you'd only have to list two billion different calorie counts for a uh, potential Pizza Hut pizza. Yeah, and look, that's not problematic. And, and and this is the way we're going. Like right yeah. as we move on, and and you know society innovates. One of the ways they will innovate more than anything else is to make your experience more personalized to you. Yes, it will make your experience eating. Your experience uh, shopping, your experience watching TV, all more customized to you and what you want. We're told so, labels are going to be customized to you now. Yeah. Or not now, but soon. Yeah. And so it's gonna eventually going to have to be that way. So you really are going to have a problem uh, figuring out. Because there's not going to be traditional menus necessarily. Like there might be suggestions. But mm-hmm. like you'll see – you're seeing like things like even like a Chipotle or, uh, you know – the 25,000 similar restaurants that are that now exist. You go in there, you take um, some sort of uh, bread, some sort of, uh, you know, starchy thing, a couple proteins, 15 different vegetables, sauces, seasonings, and you're just picking. Well, how the hell would you put that on a menu? You, you couldn't. You can't. You can't. It's, it's ridiculous. And then I don't know how you would advertise uh, on television at all because, like like we said, you'd have to list all the various calorie counts, and your ad would be all that. Um, so I don't I don't know I don't know if this will be implemented. It seems unworkable. They're, they'll still probably try to jam it down the throats of these of these companies. But uh, in the meantime, Super Bowl is coming up this weekend, mm-hmm. and we're going to see it? a bunch of Super Bowl ads. That is confirmed. Yeah, it is confirmed, mm-hmm. as you know, because you, of course. As always, are going to be there. Yeah, you know, and it's yeah. interesting, Pat. It you is bring that up because I yeah, hadn't I thought about it. it wasn't, yeah, I know, you know right? It's just, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, so natural for me at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, just mm-hmm. what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually, the best part—it might not be the Super Bowl this year. It may just be leaving Snowpocalypse for Phoenix. That that is. <laughs> if you a can get a flight out of, if I can get out of here, Snowpocalypse. Which is, I will which, say it's questionable at this point. It is. It seems is, to be. It is questionable. Um, did you know that the, uh, I, I'm kind of surprised. I, I didn't think the ads would be as expensive this year as they have been in the past. They're more four and a half million for a 30 second spot, yeah. four and a half million for 30 seconds. <laughs> wow. And I don't know why, but this, I don't either. this is looking to be the most expensive Super Bowl ever. It's crazy. Um, we should see the tickets, Pat. 
Oh, really? Now, this is one of the very few years that I think I have tickets before I actually go to the city. Oh. Um, but, the you know, uh, you know, and like we have, you know, uh, various uh, connections, mm-hmm. shady underworld people I met through Jeffy is what I'm trying to say. And I have people and usually we get tickets at like face value mm-hmm. uh, or less. Yeah. Um, so but this year. But we always keep an eye on the get-in price, which is like, okay, the worst seat in the house, cheapest seat in the house. Mm-hmm. Usually that is around $1,000, cheapest seat in the house. That's expensive. It's a freaking one – it's one three-hour event. $1,000 is a lot of money. Um, sometimes bigger Super Bowls can get up to 1500 sometimes. Right now, the get-in price at the Super Bowl is $3,878. Just to enter the building. Just to enter the building. That is absolutely unheard of. And I have to believe is going to drop dramatically. Holy uh, mackerel. But, but that is not normal. That's not normal. I, um, I mean, okay, it's New England and Seattle. Right. Who, it's not like it's like, I don't know. You got the cheaters versus the thugs. Right. I, I'm going cheaters. I'm going cheaters this time, too. Yeah, I hope so. cheaters win. <laughs> So I don't know why that's so popular. Boston, Seattle, that didn't yeah. seem like a big time matchup to me. Yeah. I, I, by the way, I love the Patriots fans. We're like, oh, see, we we've proven that we got that, that there was nothing going on there. Uh, really? No. Because Bill Belichick came out and said something scientific that was immediately disproved by other scientists. <laughs> I know Belichick is, should be counted as a scientist for sure. Uh, but yeah, no, they did. They, uh, you know, I don't think. Uh, that is particularly a, a legitimate defense. No, it doesn't um, seem like it. And, and, and it does not yeah, seem like whatever. it. Whatever. Um, so, yeah, $3,878. Pretty wow. amazing. Um, and then $4.5 million for the ads. Yeah. $430. Uh, that's not for a 60 Yeah. Of course, I don't know. Maybe they pay. Sometimes you pay the same price uh, at events like this for a 30 or a 60 oh, really? uh, um, um, Yeah. So that's kind of crazy. I mean, I, that's a lot. But it's so much, and I guess this is part of the reason, that, um, you know, Big time advertisers like General Motors and Volkswagen have pulled out. They're, oh, really? they're always in it, but and they pulled gone. out this year. They said they weren't. Uh, Nissan is back in after an 18 year absence. You got you always have Budweiser and GoDaddy. I wish they would pull out. Uh, Kia, um, and here's a little teaser from Snickers uh, for what they're going to run during the Super Bowl. Marsha. Shut up, Mom! One, two, three, four. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'll bet you that's going to be one of those you're not yourself. When you're hungry, right. ads, and that's Marsha. Yeah. When she's not herself, and then they'll show her after a Snickers bar. Wow. That's <laughs> that's kind of funny. Yeah. All right, and here's one from uh, Nationwide that we can take a look at. After years of being treated like she was invisible, it occurred to Mindy she might actually be invisible. Mindy was actually not invisible. Did you see me? Hmm. I like her, I but I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, so far. <laughs> you need I to see more, it. I guess. Yeah. I do like her, though. Uh, here's a look at a uh, little teaser from Skittles. 
right. Again, don't know. That's don't interest me that much. Yeah, frankly, no. uh, the first one was pretty. First funny. one um, looked like it might be promising. I will say that I may have something that will interest you, and this ties into yeah. our calorie discussion that happened right before this. Imagine okay. what the calorie content would be of this little gem that's supposedly coming out from Kentucky Fried Chicken. Do we have the picture here? Because this is this is one of the most. Yes, the double down dog. Which is a chicken breast for a bun okay. around a hot dog. <laughs> that, could that be real? You remember when we did the we did the, the sandwich that was two chicken breasts? Right. That's the, that was called the that, double down. That was the double down. Yeah. I forget what was in the middle. Chicken, I think, right? I think it was bacon it was, and like... In like it was chicken like around and chicken cheese. and chicken sauce and some cheese and whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a hot dog <laughs> inside of two things of chicken. A very funny. Uh, uh, see, I gotta try that too. Very, I gotta try that. Very funny tweet from Benny Johnson. Uh, take that, ISIS. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Is, uh, I love that. It's a great point. Yeah, you're not getting that in uh, Yemen. No, you're not getting that. Screw you guys. Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I don't care who's king. And everyone's you're like, not oh, getting that. You know, I, and of course the 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 initial reaction is pretty much you know revulsion. <laughs> revulsion. I think that's <laughs> phenomenal. Why not? What a great country. You know, yeah, we can we can use two chicken breasts as buns for a hot dog. Well, and that one looks like can we show it one more time? It looks like a bent it's just like a, oh, that looks delicious. a cupped chicken breast. I don't think it's two separate ones, is it? I think it's like a yeah, it's, it's one split one. in half maybe. I think it's one that's cupped. Like, I love it. Like a U. It's a U-shaped chicken breast. I'm going. That will be mine. Oh, yes. <laughs> Is it out I, yet? Can I actually didn't like the double down that much. I mean, no. it was good, but it was not worth it. Uh, this, yeah, I got some I got some hopes for that. I have some high hope for that. All right. 888-727-BECK. There's a little more patents, too. Come on up. Stu, uh, here's you know the sad, 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 sad news that Sky Mall has apparently gone bankrupt. Uh, I, I hate to break that to you if you if you didn't know that they were in trouble, but apparently they are. And you know how often do you buy Sky Mall products every day? Three, four, five times a day, probably. <laughs> here's I like Sky Mall. I always liked uh, it. How many things have you ever purchased from I Sky Mall? I bought several things. You liar. No, you I really not. have. I really have. You I really have? I, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of what I actually have purchased, and I don't know that I can pull one out uh, off the top of my head, but I know I have definitely purchased things from Sky Mall. Because I always, when I would go in there, I would go through the whole magazine. Yeah. Because this is before when you couldn't use tablets or whatever when you were taking off. And there's nothing else to do. Yeah. So you flip You don't have the whole a newspaper thing. or a book. I would always rip out a couple things that I thought were interesting. Did you? Oh, yeah. I, and then you would order them. Not always, but sometimes I would. I, I definitely, I probably have purchased maybe six or seven things <laughs> over my life from Sky Mall. Do we have, do we have the pictures of these or do we just have the 16 essential things? You probably won't ever be able to buy again from Sky Mall. Uh, like this upright, there's an upright sleeper. Oh, yeah, this one's famous. Uh, that, let's see the upright sleeper that absolutely, that won't kill oh. you at all. Oh, not that one. <laughs> Good cut. <laughs> I thought that was, I thought we were going to see the pillow one. The pillow one is the one that I always uh, remember. Why would uh, you want to sleep upright? Is that maybe uh, if in the plane? 
Maybe? I, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's a portrait of your pet as 17th century nobility. That's an important one. I mean, <laughs> yeah. cool. how sad that you would never be able to buy that again. There's no no other place for it. Uh, there's a machine that makes you grow hair. Uh, and oh, yeah, this it, is weird. It doesn't make you look insane at all. And, I, and I that wear one, that everywhere. There's no way that works. It's a, but if that worked, it would be, it would be a hundred thousand dollars. It, it would yeah. not be available it, in Sky Mall magazine. <laughs> if it worked, it would be av- available at you know Walgreens, right? Yeah, it, it would be available readily accessible everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what people fall for. Um, there's also a watch that tells you when you're going to die. Right there. <laughs> How does it know? It's a wristwatch that counts well, down your life. It knows because it, when it gets down to zero, it injects a small amount of poison in one of your veins <laughs> and you <Okay>. die. <laughs> right. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying uh, that. I was trying to help. Uh, there's a micro kickboard luggage scooter. Uh, okay. Yeah, you won't look stupid. You won't look silly. You won't look like a goofball doing that. Although, I would do that. I don't care what I look like when I do that kind of stuff. That's uh, Sometimes in the grocery store, I'll take the cart and push it really fast and then jump up on the on the little crossbar there and ride the shopping cart down the aisle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, my wife enjoys that a great deal. Right. <laughs> sure. God, how come I have seven kids now? I was like, I get seven kids now. Uh, there's Rosewall. Rosewell, Roswell, the alien butler. <laughs> Roswell, the alien butler, right there. Oh, for just sixty nine ninety five. I don't know what it does, and it doesn't really say there what it does. But I guess you could say, hey, this is my alien butler right here. I got it from Ro- Roswell. Mm-hmm. Uh, number seven, a solar-powered cooling hat that... Uh, Definitely won't get the crap kicked out of you for wearing it. See, these are all the worst products. Like they're trying to find the funny ones, which I understand. And, and it's only forty nine ninety five for that cooling hat, Stu. That's not a that's not bad a product. That's, that's a true. good product. You're right. Uh, and I give up pillow. What well, I don't. <laughs> no, that's just for a massage. Yes. See, you put that. You put your face down in that. That's a massage pillow. Relax and nap pillows. Okay. Uh, what else do we have? We have a one of the issues with SkyMall too, which is which was rough because we have the wrist cell phone carrier here because you can't hold it in your phone. You got to have a wrist thing that holds it for you. But the problem is when these products were good, they would wind up in stores. So like, yeah. if they find one, and some of them were like, I think one of the ones I think I bought from SkyMall was a in-car cooler, so you could plug in <laughs> for like a long trip. Mm-hmm. You plug it into your. Uh, your like cigarette lighter, which is not a cigarette lighter anymore, and um, it would keep your sodas uh, cold. Okay, like so over a long trip, so you wouldn't have to stop all the time. You'd have cold soda whenever you wanted it. That's something that would that was good for me. That, okay, you know, but then that's now just available in stores. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Is the in-home foot tanner available? Because there's nothing better than tanned feet. You need your feet. I, I mean, you need you need your feet that tanned. can't be available in stores yet, can it? What, on 10 feet? No. I, no, I won't.